Broadcasting live high atop the Sunset Strip, deep in the heart of Tinseltown, via the World Wide Web at www.edamrocksradio.com. It's the Edam Rocks Radio Show. And now, your host, Son Edom. Overlooking the Hudson River, on the campus of the United States Military Academy at West Point, are 12 granite benches, each inscribed with a word representing a key leadership virtue, compassion, courage, dedication, determination, dignity, discipline, integrity, loyalty, perseverance, responsibility, service, trust. These benches remind cadets of the qualities that lead to victory and success, not just on the battlefield, but in all of life. Pat Williams is the author of the book, Character Carved in Stone, The 12 Core Virtues That Build Leaders and Produce Success. That is what we're going to be talking about, using these 12 values to build up leadership and success. Pat Williams joining us. He is the author of the new book, Character Carved in Stone. The 12 Core Virtues of West Point That Build Leaders and Produce Success, as well as the founder and senior vice president for the Orlando Magic of the NBA and a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame. Pat, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Son. It's nice to be with you and uh, appreciate the call. Now, you've written a number of books over the years, uh, I believe over 100 books, in fact, and this is the one book that I think everybody should read. I know every book you want people to read. And it's nice to have people read it. But this is really one that, when I was reading it, really stood out as something that people can really learn a lot from in all different avenues of life. So I guess the first question would be, what made you decide to write this book based on these 12 core virtues from West Point? Son, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Uh, a few years ago, I was invited to go to West Point and speak to the Army sports teams, men and women, and the coaches, and I did that. And afterwards, they gave me a nice tour of the campus, which is a very moving experience. We ended up in a little park area called Trophy Point. Looks out over the Hudson River, beautiful scenic spot. And I noticed in this park a bench, uh, a stone bench, and I thought, well, that's no big deal, except I kept looking, and I discovered there were 12 of these benches. And that prompted me to take a closer look at one of the benches, and I noticed that there was a word carved into the end of the bench. And I went around to the other end of the bench, and there was that same word carved on that end. And so I kept checking these benches, and there was a different word carved into the end of every bench. Words like courage and uh, determination, integrity, loyalty perseverance, responsibility, those kind of words. And then I thought there's got to be a backstory here. So uh, we sure enough found out there was a backstory. Uh, the West Point class of 1934 donated those benches on their 50th class reunion, 1984. And uh, they picked those words based on their experience serving during World War II and the Korean War. Uh, words that they thought had been important to them, and they wanted to pass them along uh, to the succeeding classes at uh, the United States Military Academy. Well, my reaction to that was, boy, this is quite a story, And uh, but I'd never heard about it. I, I doubt many people had. So uh, I talked to our publisher, and I said, I think we've got an idea here. We could write a chapter on each one of these words, 
and then try and figure out if there's a West Point graduate who best models that particular word. Well, the publisher liked the idea, and we went to work on it, and we were pleased with the outcome. Uh, we're certainly pleased with the early reaction. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski wrote the forward for us, the Duke coach, uh, who is a West Point grad, and uh, we were very pleased when Mike agreed to do that. So, son, that's, uh, that's the background. That's how this book came about. You mentioned the cadets that came out of West Point and the stories in the book. And that's another fascinating thing that people, you know, could realize is that if you're really not into, let's say, learning about virtue or learning about how to be successful based on these 12 virtues, just the history that you guys write about in the book with these stories about the cadets that have come through there, you know, Dwight D. Eisenhower, you've got, like you said, Coach K from Duke and a whole lot more. I mean, so how did you decide which of these cadets you would write about, and, and how did you come up with the information to put in the book? Well, that's a good question. Uh, we, I'm sure there were many other West Point graduates that, uh, that we could have included. But, uh, for example, in the first chapter, the word compassion, and uh, as we study General Ulysses S. Grant, uh, despite what people might think, he, he was a very compassionate man and a compassionate leader. And uh, so th- there would be an example. I'm sure we could have found other West Point grads on the chapter on integrity. Uh, we thought that's where Dwight D. Eisenhower fit. Uh, so we did our best in finding that West Point graduate uh, who we thought best exemplified that particular word. I think we captured uh, most of the important uh, West Point grads. I'm sure there were a few, but... Uh, you know, uh, General Omar Bradley's in there, Matthew Ridgway, Norman Schwarzkopf, uh, Jack, uh, General Jack Pershing, um, and a few others. Um, like Coach K, we, we uh, put Coach K in the chapter about uh, responsibility. Uh, General Douglas MacArthur is in there. And then we did a chapter on Maggie Dixon. She was the women's basketball coach at West Point, only there a short period of time, but beloved by all. And when she died of a a heart disease, you know, at a very young age, that just shook that campus to its core. And uh, we thought it was important to include Maggie Dixon as well. You mentioned you started out the book in the first chapter with compassion, and then it also has kind of the tagline, warrior with a heart. And it's the first virtue in the book, and you mentioned Ulysses S. Grant, and there was a line in there talking about strength as a leader, or or his strength as a leader was compassion, but compassion as a strength, not a weakness. Do you think that in today's day and age, a lot of people think or look upon compassion as a weakness versus a character for a leader? Son, maybe another way of, of phrasing that word would simply be people skills, Uh, I think great leaders today must, must have the ability uh, to work with people and to understand people and to study people, uh, to care about them, have a heart for people, empathy for them. Uh, I think Grant certainly did that, uh, despite the fact that he had one mission, and that was to go win a war and and keep the uh, United States together as a nation. But in the process, there's no question he cared about his men. Uh, 
uh, cared about those soldiers. He had a compassionate heart towards his family. And he also had great compassion for animals, including the horses, which were such a key part of the Civil War. Uh, the story is told that uh, Grant uh, was coming down a road, and he saw one of his soldiers on the side of the road just whipping and beating unmercifully his horse. Well, Grant, who was a great horseman and a great lover of horses, uh, erupted with anger, went right up into the face of that soldier and let him know in no uncertain terms that that would not be tolerated. Uh, you just don't treat horses that way. So uh, I think uh, as you really consider Grant and study him, you know, I think he does fit under that word compassion. Yeah, there was another part of his story. I believe it was later in life. He wasn't really having a whole lot of success kind of down in the financial department. And I believe somebody gave him a slave that he then could have sold off for money. But instead, he freed the slave, putting the slave's you know personal um, experience over himself. And I think that's the part of, of leadership that people really don't understand that I got from reading this part about Ulysses S. Grant was that he really did put other people, and even, like you said, the horses, above himself, and that's really a sign of, of leadership. Well, I think you're right. Uh, I think he truly had a heart for people. I think he cared for people. He gets criticized for his uh, term in the White House uh, when some things went wrong. Uh, I think he was influenced by uh, people who were not uh, thinking about uh, anybody's best interest but their own, but he remained un untouched by that. And uh, beloved around the world, you know, after he finished in the White House, he and Mrs. Grant took a year-long, I guess a year, maybe two years, tour, you know, around the whole world. And and Grant was a worldwide hero. They, uh, they mobbed him wherever he went. Uh, they uh, provided him with gifts that uh, they had a ship back, you know, in, in crates. Uh, he uh, he tends to be forgotten uh, in those regards, but he he truly was a significant American uh, during that whole period from uh, well from 1860, you know, up towards uh, the early 1900. Now, another virtue that stands out when I was reading the book is service, which also had humble and selfless. And you write in the book, to practice the West Point virtue of service, you have to recognize that you are part of something bigger than yourself. This also seems to be a virtue or a value that a lot of people tend to forget is a quality of a leader. Most leaders in charge nowadays, they want to like be served or be the top dog instead of serving others. Uh, maybe they're in it for themselves. So I think, is this something that uh, people really need to remember is that service, you're a part of something bigger than yourself and you need to humble yourself and be selfless as a leader? Son, uh, you can be a good leader uh, without a serving heart, uh, but to be a, um, a leader for the ages, a leader who will never be forgotten, uh, that attitude of service must be at the centerpiece of your leadership arsenal. Uh, you know, men and women who say, uh, I am not here to dominate. I'm not uh, here to humiliate people. I'm not here to promote myself, advance my career goals. No, I'm, 
I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve this company that I'm working for, this organization that I'm employed by. And uh, when you have that mentality, uh, you become a leader for the ages. Uh, you become a leader who will never be forgotten. You'll be a leader that uh, goes down in the history books. And, and, and as you study history, son, there, there are some great examples. Jesus, of course, Wilberforce, who single-handedly broke the slave trade in Great Britain. Uh, you've got to take a look at uh, Albert, Albert Schweitzer, uh, who, uh, when awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1952, told his presenters, now I've got to go out and do something to earn this. Um, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, Eleanor Roosevelt, Billy Graham, uh, Coach Wooden. I mean, those are some names that come to my mind uh, when you think of serving-hearted leaders. And uh, one of the things they, they stress at West Point, and that's what that bench, that uh, 11th bench up there means, uh, you are here to serve others, and uh, we, we never want you to forget that. Did you find, you mentioned Jesus, John Wooden, Mother Teresa, I know people of faith. Did you find any significant uh, theme running through the people that you wrote about in the book? Did they have any type of faith, or is this just something that kind of was built outside of faith, these, these oh, virtues? I, uh, son, I think so. Uh, I don't know that there, there are any in this uh, book that were overtly, uh, you know, overt about their uh, Christian beliefs, but... Uh, uh, let me tell you, there, you, you, when you're at West Point, you sense very quickly that there is a spiritual dimension to that place. You know, the, with the chapel services and uh, Bible studies on the campus, and yeah, there's a there's a strong spiritual base. I I believe at at West Point, and uh, as you study many of these leaders, it, that, that element is there with them. Uh, even though, uh, you know, they're not uh, speaking overtly about it. But I think there's a strong spiritual dimension to most of their lives. And that's something that, you know, we don't really focus on, but it's good to hear that that's out there, especially someone like you who have been there. I've never been there, but to hear that, that sounds like, uh, you know, that's, that's a positive thing to take away from that. Um, another another area you mentioned, and earlier you talked about Coach K out of Duke, the responsibility, no excuses, sir. And you wrote a story in the book about Coach K when he was a cadet. He's walking with a buddy, and his buddy steps in a puddle of mud, splashes some mud onto Coach K's shoes. An upperclassman then sees him, kind of drills him for it. Eventually, Coach K blames the other guy for stepping in the mud. But over time, he starts to realize, Coach K does that, you know what, this was my responsibility. I could have gone back and cleaned my shoes and been in good standings, but I decided to just carry on and then ultimately got in trouble for having the muddy shoes. I think passing the buck, and you know, Coach K is kind of interesting because you know he was expected to win the national champion this year, championship this year with that great team, and they fell short. And he's at the podium, you know, taking responsibility, not passing the buck, and just being that great leader like you talked about, taking responsibility. Yes, he uh, he learned at West Point uh, when you are challenged, uh, you have three responses. Uh, yes, sir. No, sir. No excuse, sir. Uh, that's how you're to respond. By the way, uh, they've added a fourth one since his day there. Uh, I do not understand, sir. 
But uh, back in Coach K's day, yeah, those were the three responses. And uh, since that day, uh, Mike Krzyzewski has learned uh, this approach. This was done well, and I did it. This was done poorly, and I did it. But in either case, I am responsible. I, uh, I'm not going to blame others. I'm not going to be pointing fingers. I'm not going to uh, develop a case of instant amnesia. Uh, where I don't remember any of this because it didn't work. No, he uh, he learned as a very, very young man the importance of taking responsibility. And I'm glad that that class of 34 put that word on one of those benches uh, because to be a great leader, a, a great citizen, uh, we need a society that, it, that that does take responsibility for their actions. And uh, I'm glad that word has been stressed up at West Point. You know, it's interesting, too, that not only in the business world, I guess, well, I guess all things can be a business, but in the business world, success and leadership is one thing. But you mentioned Coach K being a cadet. I know uh, Bobby Knight was a part of the military academy there coaching and so forth. And other coaches have come out of there. So these types, this type of influence from West Point has also bled over into some common areas such as coaching. And you being in the NBA, you know, know that success in the NBA also can come from these type of virtues there. Oh, listen, I don't think that these, these virtues are just uh, localized to students at West Point. Uh, I think when you really study anybody's role as a leader, uh, all 12 of those qualities are applicable to all of us. Uh, when you study compassion and courage and dedication, among others, dignity, discipline, trust, perseverance, uh, every family needs them, every uh, business needs them, every sports team, every military unit. So I, I'm, uh, I salute constantly that class of 34 uh, who might it would be an, been an interesting meeting somewhere along the line these gentlemen and that that and at that point by 84 50 years they would have been what 70 early 70s uh, they would have been through World War II and they'd have been through Korea and they and they probably a bunch of them got together and had a lengthy discussion about these benches and then what word are we going to put on each bench? Uh, what words didn't make the cut? But I think they got most of them. I think those uh, 12 words, uh, you know, are absolutely mandatory to anybody in a leadership position. Yeah, it's interesting how many years later when they came back and did this, these values and virtues stood, you know, forthright in their mind. It really goes to show you what kind of impact the military academy had on these individuals as well as the lessons they learned and the people that they became? Well, uh, you know, I uh, would be fascinated, and I don't know whether anything is written, but uh, they came out of school in 1934. Uh, World War II broke out seven years later. So these guys would have been 29 uh, when World War II began. Um, how many of them were in combat? How many of them uh, were there, for example, on D-Day when they would have been in their early 30s? And then in 1950, these guys were still in their 30s when Korea broke out. And uh, I'm sure many of them uh, were there as well. 
So these, most of these gentlemen, son, were uh, right in the middle of, of major, major wars, and uh, oh, they must have had stories to tell. So, so when they came back much later and said, "These are the twelve words that we feel are most appropriate," you know, for the, these young men coming behind us, uh, you've got to pay attention because they had lived through it. Uh, they're they're post-West Point days had not been easy, and they felt these were the 12 words that they felt were most appropriate for the uh, succeeding generations. Pat Williams is joining us. He's the author of the new book, Character Carved in Stone, The 12 Core Virtues of West Point That Build Leaders and Produce Success. He's also the founder and senior vice president of the Orlando Magic of the NBA and a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, Another virtue I want to touch on with you is is integrity. Integrity seems to be an important uh, aspect to being a leader. And you write, it's honest and true. And you talk about Dwight Eisenhower and an experience that he had with the exiled president of the Philippines who wanted to bestow upon him an honorarium. And you talk about the ethical behavior versus legal behavior. And for Eisenhower to accept the funds, it would have been legal, but he opted not to because he had a higher expectation with the ethical behavior. Can you expand upon that or elaborate a little bit more about the well, ethical? Son, Eisenhower spent uh, six years in the Philippines. This was all pre-World War II. Uh, MacArthur was there, of course, and other generals, and the Philippine government was very, very grateful uh, for the American leaders being there. They had a, a, a great thankfulness for that, and they thought it would be appropriate to provide uh, uh, a, a bonus or financial thank yous. And uh, most of the generals took it. Uh, MacArthur uh, ended up with $500,000 of thank you money. Eisenhower was offered a pretty significant amount of money, but he declined. And, and and trust me, he was not making the big bucks, you know, in the army. But uh, he declined. He just said it, it is not uh, something that I uh, feel comfortable with, and he, he turned it down. Later on, Eisenhower made this, made this statement. He said, uh, I, I think the most important quality to anybody in a role of leadership is integrity. And that uh, brings up the topic, son, what is integrity? It's a much-discussed word. It comes from the root word integer, which means one. Uh, that would lead to a word like uh, integrated, an integrated society is one society. So a leader of integrity, um, well, there's a consistency to that man or woman's life. Uh, their walk-and-talk match. Uh, they are not walking, uh, talking one way and walking completely in the opposite direction. Boy, that'll confuse people. Right. So, so uh, another way of putting it is that the tongue in their mouth is pointing in the same direction as the tongue in their shoes. Uh, I think that gives a good example of, uh, of, of a man or a woman of integrity. Uh, when I'm talking to, to teenagers about this, I will say something like this. Uh, to be a, a, a young person of integrity, 
you are the same at the high school football game on Friday night as you are Saturday morning at your part-time job. And you're the same at your part-time job as you are out Saturday night with your friends. And you're the same Sunday in church as you were at your part-time job on Saturday morning. And you're the same with your family at night as you were uh, when you were out with your friends on Saturday evening. And you're the same at school on Monday morning as you were at the football game on Friday night. Uh, That model, I think, uh, says a lot about integrity. You're... There's a consistency to what you're doing and and where you are in life. Absolutely. When you talk to young people, a lot of times today, um, young people maybe tend to get knocked off as being elusive, not caring, things like that. Do you find that young people are responsive to when you talk to them, especially about things like the uh, 12 core virtues of West Point? Oh, absolutely, son. I you know, I think our young people, in many cases, get a bad rap. Uh, but I am, I am very impressed with how sharp our young people are today. Uh, it's a different generation. Listen, I've got uh, six-year-old grandchildren who are so far past me, and in, in, in so you know, in so much with the, the, the world of high tech, I, I've got a um, an eleven-year-old fifth grader. Uh, who's a math whiz? I mean, I, I I I wouldn't understand one thing that he's doing. I mean, it's just an advanced society with young people. It's a, it, it's far different than when we grew up. They're sharp and they're bright, and they've got big goals and big dreams. I, I feel very very encouraged about the young people I'm seeing. So I'm. Yeah, because I, I teach at the collegiate level, uh, community college, and you know, I kind of feel mm. the same way. I get I get students in here, and when you really get down to the meat of it, you know, there's some really good people coming up. And I think, you know, I don't know if it's millennials or whatever the generation is labeled at this point. You know, I think they do tend to get a, a bad knock about who they are, and there are some really good, responsible people that are yearning or longing for direction. And something like these core values is something that they can really latch onto and use in their personal lives to help them grow even more. Son, if I was running a college or a university, uh, I would stress from the day those kids came on campus. Uh, that we are getting you prepared for a life of leadership. I would make sure they understand that everything rises and falls on leadership, and all of you are our future leaders. And I would be teaching leadership, and I'd be modeling it, and I'd be demonstrating it, along with all the other coursework. Uh, But when those kids graduated as seniors, uh, I would want them ready to hit the ground running in the real world and have a good sense of what it takes to be a leader of excellence. Uh, that's my wish list if I was running a university, which I, I never will, but I, I still can preach about it. Sure, absolutely. Again, uh, Pat Williams joining us, the author of the new book, Character Carved in Stone, The 12 Core Virtues of West Point That Build Leaders and Produce Success also a founder and senior vice president of the Orlando Magic of the NBA and a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame. And just to uh, to read off these uh, 12 core virtues in case people are just tuning in and wanting to know what they are, 
Uh, it's compassion, integrity, courage, loyalty, dedication, perseverance, determination, responsibility, dignity, service, discipline, and trust. So when you take a look at these 12 virtues here, I know it's a lot, but is there anything that you can just kind of summarize how we can implement them into our lives as a whole? And is there any one that's kind of the hardest for us as a society to follow? Well, Son, let me just go back to, and, and kind of backpedal a little bit. Uh, this, the, these words all are related to character, of course. People ask me, uh, do we come into this world with character? And my answer is no, we don't. Uh, when when babies come home from the hospital, uh, they are not imbued with all the character qualities. I think it has to be taught at home. Uh, I think it has to be caught at home. Honesty and integrity and responsibility and discipline, all that has to be taught at home. And, and then when kids go off to school, uh, they need to have that reinforced by teachers and coaches and youth workers and pastors and and, uh, and and anybody else that our kids are running into, uh, they need to see that um, this is the, the way you go about your life to, to, to have it, an effective life. So uh, that, that's my point. I, uh, I, I really stress to parents and grandparents and all you're constantly teaching these character qualities so that kids understand this is the way we live. This is how you go about it, and it's just part of their makeup, part of their DNA, because that's what has been brought and taught to them since they were very small. Now, you've written uh, many books, like I said, over 100 books, uh, talking about leadership, success, uh, other topics designed to make an individual achieve. When you put together these type of books, the the point I'm trying to get is it seems like there are some, I don't want to call them fads, but maybe some theories and some philosophies that come and go. But with these 12 virtues, you are dealing with um, some values that have been around and have been proven and kind of standed the test of time over the years with some people that have gone through some very tough things, such as World War II and the Korean War. Uh, Does that approach to writing a book and talking about these values is it a little different than maybe some others that you've written how does that work out well son uh, at the end of the day uh, i'm writing the following areas leadership teamwork winning success uh, I think that captures it. I think those are the four areas, if you really study it, uh, those are the four areas that uh, that I'm writing about. Um, I'd like to study leaders. I've, I've written a series of books, uh, Bear Bryant on leadership and Bobby Bowden on leadership and um, Tom Osborne on leadership. Uh, we did um, uh, Vince Lombardi on leadership not long ago, and the next one will be out this fall. It's called Lead Like Walt. Uh, we're taking a look at Walt Disney through the narrow focus of leadership. What, what was it about Walt that ar- allowed him to be such a great leader? So I'm, I'm uh, absolutely absorbed and fascinated with this topic of leadership. Uh, I never stop uh, studying the great leaders of history. 
because we can learn so much from George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and Winston Churchill and Ronald Reagan and uh, Bear Bryant and Vince Lombardi and so forth. I, that's why I encourage uh, all leaders to remember the words of Harry Truman, who said, not all readers will be leaders, but all leaders must be readers. So there's a challenge for you, son, in your classroom, convincing your students to put down their cell phones and their video games and pick up real books with real pages and real print on the pages and be, become excited about being a great reader. I think I think if, if kids come out of college with nothing but that, I think we've uh, served them well. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned through our interview, you've touched on on Jesus, on on church, Mother Teresa, some faith based things. Would you mind sharing with us uh, what your faith means to you? Well, son, it, uh, it 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 changed my life at age twenty seven. I was uh, running a Phillies minor league ball club in Spartanburg, South Carolina, home, by the way, of one Zion Williamson, but that's beside the point. And I was having great success uh, of reaching all my goals in the uh, uh, professional baseball world, but there was an emptiness in my life. There was just a wrestling, but is that all there is? There's got to be more to life than this. And uh, I didn't have an answer until one day, uh, through a series of events, I was presented with the gospel, uh, the good news uh, that God loves me, and uh, he has a plan and a purpose for my life, and that his son Jesus died to, uh, to clean up my sin mess, and that I could receive him into my life and have a personal relationship with God the Father and uh, the the creator of the universe. Boy, that was quite a moment in my life. That was 52 years ago this uh, past February. And I made that decision. It changed everything in my life. It changed my career path and uh, changed my dating habits. It changed uh, and still does. <clears throat> so uh, I, um, in, in my writing and in my speaking, I want to make sure people understand that there's more to life than... Uh, than just, uh, you know, earning a living every day and coming home from work and, you know, that God really wants us to uh, get involved in his work and uh, he'll bless us in the process. So that that's in a nutshell, son. That's what happened to me. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that because I think God has used you remarkably over the years. I've been blessed to kind of been in touch with you for a number of years uh, through sports radio and other radio shows, and mm-hmm. and you know I've been fortunate to to read a lot of your books, and I think a lot of it uh, really comes across in the writings that you do, and so I just uh, appreciate the fact that you know that that you do that, and and uh, just encourage anybody to. Find a book about the, that Pat Williams has written and just start reading it because it's a good read and you're going to get some value, some lessons out of it that's going to make you successful, a uh, successful person in life. So you mentioned the, um, the book coming out uh, about Walt Disney in the fall. And so that's something we can look forward to. If people want to know more about you, maybe get in touch with you about speaking, how can someone go about finding you? Social media, anything like that? Uh, yes. Uh, my and, and email my email address is p williams at orlando magic dot com, 
P. Williams at OrlandoMagic.com. Son, I'll give you my uh, my uh, office phone number, 407-916-2404. 407-916-2404. And uh, I, I always uh, enjoy talking to people about life in general. Yeah, the book again which I highly recommend, and I'm not just saying that because we've got Pat joining us. It is absolutely a phenomenal book, uh, well-written, great stories. It's just fascinating. It's entitled Character Carved in Stone, The 12 Core Virtues of West Point That Build Leaders and Produce Success. And even just historians or history buffs, if you want to read some great, fascinating history of different people that have led our country, it's a great book and a great read. Anything else before we let you go here? I know we've had you for a little bit. Anything else you'd like to share before we let you go? Well, son, I'm so happy we could chat, and uh, I'm glad that you were pleased with the book. Uh, Amazon.com, probably the best way to order books, and uh, I, I'm, I feel certain that people will read the book and come away thinking, boy, I've, uh, this has been worthwhile. And I've got three friends I'm thinking about that should read this. So anyway, uh, I'm glad we've got a chance to visit. The book is titled Character Carved in Stone, The 12 Core Virtues That Build Leaders and Produce Success. And you can find it on Amazon.com. That's going to do it for us. Hey, thanks for listening. And do tell a friend. Until next time, God bless.